Hello and welcome to Caravan Podcast, a show about Pakistan's startup ecosystem where we have intimate conversations with founders and investors driven to catapult Pakistan into the digital age. We'll discuss what it's really like to start a business, the highs and the lows, the setbacks, the comebacks, the lessons, everything. I'm your host, as always, Ahmad Mia, partner at Caravan, a community-driven venture capital platform. Now, given the nascent ecosystem, there's a massive spread between the talent in the country and the resources that are available to support them. Our mission at Caravan is to close that gap by providing both capital and expertise at the earliest of stages. You can find more information about Caravan at www.caravan.vc. In this episode, I sit down with Fatma Mazar, the head of Keep Truckin' in Pakistan, a leading logistics software service company based out of Islamabad. So without further ado, let's get straight to Fatma. Fatma, thank you so much for taking out the time and, and, and coming on the Caravan podcast. I really appreciate that. Um, to kind of start off, I would love to kind of understand your journey from your education to now becoming the country director and, and the stuff that you do, the stuff that you did with Kareem, the stuff that you're doing with Keep Trucking, how, and, and you coming back to Pakistan. Can you just walk me through that journey a little bit? Oof, I could take a, a long time to answer that question, <laughs> but keep in mind that, you know, there's a certain amount of time, I'll, I'll keep it short. So before I start anything, I just want to say that when I was young, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I think still in life, I have no still, idea what I want to do. Still no idea what I want to do. <laughs> I have no idea what I want to do. Um, I will tell you that there's one story that struck me and that changed the course of everything that I wanted to do. My grandfather, who was the love of my life, um, the person that I look up to the most, the most incredible person, he used to do this thing where he used to make all of us sit together um, and ask us questions about what you want to do when you grow up. I grew up with all guy cousins. Um, my sister's um, autistic, so she didn't count. So I was one girl with like 12, 13 boy cousins. And I grew, grew up like being roughed up and wrestling was what we did for fun. So I used to ask what we wanted to do. With I always wanted to impress them. So, you know, somebody would say pilot, somebody would say something. And that particular day that I remember really well, he said, what do you want to be? And I said, I want to be an investment banker. I was about eight or nine. I didn't even know what a banker meant, but previously I'd heard a conversation with somebody trying to marry somebody and my dad saying, my grandfather saying, oh, he's an investment banker, he must be really smart. So I thought I would be very cool. My grandfather picked me up, gave me a kiss and said, yeah, beta, we'll get you married to an investment banker. Girls don't become investment bankers. Not that he ever felt this way. I just think he said it. And that got me thinking. So I was eight when I got to thinking like, why are the standards different for girls uh, and different for men? Um, and I felt that a lot. I started doing gymnastics when I was young and I started doing karate. I was pulled out because I was the only girl. So the instructor said, we don't have any other girls. She has to fight against guys or she has to do gymnastics with girls. Let's pull her out. Um, I was doing horse riding. A lot of people had problems with me riding horses. My parents are great, so they let me do it. Um, I won ribbons in the U.S., with my horse riding but essentially the background for this is that I wanted to be unconventional and I wanted to do everything that a man could do and do it better and this started when I was eight and I was super competitive um, so I think a lot of times things happen in your life where you don't plan it I was at NUST um, I just started NUST in Pakistan um, I wanted to do business school um, and my parents got posted to the US my dad got posted as a defense attache and so I got admission into uh, university. I went there, uh, it was called Washington College. Right after that, my dad said, masters bhi karlo. Beta masters karlo, uske baad to shadi karni hai. 
Um, he still wants me to get married. I'm still not married. Um, essentially, I wanted to do an MBA. He said, master's, I just did this master's. And then I moved to Dubai because the US was very difficult to get an H1B. Um, and that's where my life, I think, started. I got a job in investment banking. Um, and I was really happy. It was my first job. I was making a lot of money. I bought a Porsche Boxster in Dubai. You know Dubai, so you understand that at 22, 23, you can buy a Porsche Boxster. Um, and then the financial crisis hit. So I lost my job. Uh, the company went bankrupt and I didn't know what to do. Um, so I started um, working at a startup, which was started by somebody that I'd worked with in a private equity fund abroad, if you know yeah. abroad, you're from Dubai. Um, so he said, it was there that he said, Fatma, I see that you have a knack for operations. I said, e operations? What do you mean operations? I'm in, I, I, I have a master's from the US and I didn't know what operations was. Uh, and you know, 10 years down the line, I love operations. And it's just, so I got into that startup, that didn't work out. Um, and then I did a couple of stints till I realized that logistics was something I was interested in. And when um, Uber was coming into Dubai, so I started interviewing with Uber, but every time I'd search for Uber, Kareem would show up. Um, and um, I went to meet people at Kareem. I don't know if you've met the co-founders of Kareem. They are some of the best people. Mudassar Sheikha um, is my all-time mentor, the most humble guy. I spoke to him for two hours. He offered me a job at Kareem as a call center executive, picking up phones of customers. I said, yes. Um, he said, do this. Um, when we have money, we'll give you more. And as the company goes, you grow. We don't have any other role, but we really want you. We like you. Um, it took me 20 minutes to say yes to them. I took a 120% pay cut. I moved out of my apartment into my parents' house. And I started this journey at Kareem. All because I had never seen the passion that I saw these two people wow. uh, have for the startup. And I was envious because I'd never felt that way about anything in my life, except for sports. I was really good at sports. I've, I've got gold medals in athletics and stuff. I know I don't look it right now, but I used to be very fit at one point in time. Um, and I gave my heart and soul to Kareem. I believed so much in the co-founders and they actually said what they meant. You know, you, I've worked for a bunch of companies where people say something, but they don't mean it. But that's their madness meant everything that they said. I grew with the company and get, got to the head of expansion. And Kareem changed me in a lot of ways. One, it gave me confidence. Uh, two, they had a Pakistani female woman as the head of expansion. I was going into different cities all over the Middle East and launching Kareem for them. That gave me a boost as a woman. Um, and then in 2016, they told me, go launch Pakistan. I said, no, Pakistan ni jana. And they said, no, you know, you're Pakistani, you speak the language, we need something to go, just go. I said, it'll never work out in Pakistan. I was the first one to say, it'll never work out in Pakistan. And um, I came in 2016 with a lot of doubt I fell in love with my country. I absolutely fell in love with the talent that we have in Pakistan. We are some of the smartest people I know. And I've worked with a lot of people. You're from Dubai, so you understand that the mix of talent that you have over there is incredible. Some of the best and the brightest come to Dubai to work. But Pakistan is a different level. We're hardworking. Um, we're very data-driven, very smart in the head. We're also very creative. And so I fell in love with Kareem with Pakistan. Um, I stayed here for nine months. I launched 11 cities in Pakistan. Oh. Kareem is the name that everyone talks about. Um, and I had a great team to work with. And then I went out and went back and did something. 
Now, after I'd launched about 100 cities, Kareem had hit 100 cities, I was tired. And um, I had become more of, more confident. And I'd always wanted to do an MBA, which I told you about. So I was offered a sabbatical because I was tired. I decided to use that sabbatical to go get my uh, MBA from MIT. Uh, and I only applied to MIT. I only gave myself two weeks to apply. And I said, if it's meant to happen, it'll happen. And I got selected. And that was the best decision I've made. Uh, an MBA is one of the best decisions you can make. It's the best investment you can make. And I felt like at this point I wanted to invest in myself. So I did. While I was at MIT, the plan was always to come back to Kareem. Unfortunately or unfortunately, Uber acquired Kareem while I was at Keep Trucking. And, you know, I told you I work with people and I work with the culture. And I felt like Uber did not have the culture that Kareem did. I, think, I thought things were going to change. Um, and so at the same time, somebody that I'd worked with um, at Kareem reached out to me while I was at MIT saying, Keep Trucking is this company. They have a big presence in Pakistan. Um, are you interested in the GM role? And I think, again, the stars aligned because at that time, the acquisition had happened. I had wanted to move back to Pakistan. I wanted to be closer to my parents. So I turned down a lot of offers and interviewed with Keep Trucking. I had 17 interviews and I came here. And wow. the idea was I wanted to be the GM for people um, that were working in Pakistan. I wanted to be their coach. I wanted to be their mentor. I wanted to showcase what Pakistan's capable of. And every day that I wake up, I'm excited to go to my job because 1,132 people um, are working at this company and they're, and all those 1,132 people know that a woman can be a GM. So they're talking to their mothers, they're talking to their sisters, they're probably thinking of their daughters and they know that this is possible. So the impact is great. Sometimes I've always wanted to do something like I've very inspired by everything that you said that you wanted to do and how you're investing. Um, I haven't gone that route, but I thought maybe the small thing I can do is be a GM in a very difficult situation. It's not easy being a female GM in Pakistan. There's very few of us. I don't look conventionally like what a GM is supposed to look. The number of times people have said, oh, you don't look like a GM. I, I don't know what that means. Um, I don't know what standard I'm supposed to adhere to or how I'm supposed to act. Um, but yeah, so that's the journey. Um, it's stars aligning and it's things coming together at the right time and taking risks. Keep trying so, was a big risk. Yeah. There's a, there's, there's a couple of things there. Like it's, it's amazing. Uh, you're describing all of this. There's so many different points here, right? That, that can be so many amazing learning experiences for so many people. So one thing that I want to learn about, I mean, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about is, is the challenges that you go through when you launch a new account, like a new market for a brand like Keep Trucking or, or, or Kareem and, and like, for instance, let's say Kareem. And when you're going around and you're hiring the team and, and, and you're creating a business where a business does not exist with just a brand, what are the challenges that kind of come up for you and how do you kind of tackle them? So the, there's a lot of challenges. So getting the right team is very, very difficult. In the beginning, people will not come. So what you have to hire is, is, is the best that you can get under the circumstances. And in the beginning, what we did was we got a bunch of really motivated people um, that believed in the product. So I think the idea is um, to be able to sell. And I think that comes from believing. If you believe inside, that this product can sell and this is a good job, you can convince people. But if you're not convinced, if I was not convinced um, after a while, then I wouldn't be able to. So the first challenge 
is getting people to buy in, if that's going to happen or not. The good thing that Kareem did, um, and I believe that is, Kareem refused to throw money. A lot of times what I've seen companies do is they'll just be throwing money saying, oh, let's pay above the market to get talent. That's wrong. So I think that's one lesson that I've learned. Money can only take you so far. It's to get like-minded people to believe in the mission, and then that will go a long way and taking them along. So that's number one. Number two, I think you have to be patient. So people are going to be um, people are going to be saying this is not going to work. My own father did not believe that Kareem was going to work in Pakistan, but you always have a few believers and you need to get those people together and you need to get them to give you advice, have a set of people that will tell you. And then I think what I did was I looked at everyone that told me that this is not going to work. I would tell them, give me the reasons. And then I would sit with the team and I'd find counters for those reasons. So for example, they said, nobody's going to sit in a car with a stranger. Uh, and I said, well, they do it all over the world in taxis and you can track it. So I made tracking one of the biggest features that I put up front. Um, then they would say that people are not going to let girls go alone in a car in Kareem. And I said, well, these girls go with their friends. How is this any different? So then I said, you know, we vet our drivers. We do a security check. So I think what you need to do is all the challenges that you face or you're going to face you need to look at a counter because these challenges are coming from people that are saying certain things. So just sit back, think of how can you make your biggest critics your friends? How do you convince them? And once you can convince these different, once I was able to convince my dad, I knew I could convince anyone. And that's how you start. Um, but you have to be patient. You, it takes time, but you have to have a counter. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Yeah, but this is great. It's just, um, it, it's very easy to get frustrated, right? But you have to put yourself in other people's shoes. I believed 100% um, after a month of being in Pakistan that this was going to work. Um, but there were people that believed 100% that it wasn't going to work. So put them both together. Put yourselves in a room. We put ourselves in a room and we kept going on and on and on. So think about it and think of an answer. And the branding just happens. You just look at people's pain points. For a lot of what we do, we look at their pain points. This is what we do at Keep Trucking with Selling as well, right? If you want to sell a product to somebody, because Keep Trucking is a SaaS company. One of the biggest things we look at, or the sales team looks at, I'm not good at sales, my sales team is amazing. Um, they look at customers' pain points and then they'll ask them to identify those pain points and we'll have an answer for each pain point. How are we solving your pain point? How are we doing this? A lot of the content that we made for Kareem in the beginning was, oh, the, the one video that went viral was a girl wants to go to her friend's birthday, but her dad is away, her brother is away, and she has no way to go. Oh, so there's Kareem. And that resonated with a lot of people that, you know, what? We, why do we have to wait for our dads or our brothers to be able to go out? We will go out. And then also influencers help um, a little bit. We can get them. Um, that's when fake content comes in, but you have to have an answer and you have to be comfortable. So I did not use my family's car. I used Kareem every day. So you're living, you're living. Yes. You, you have to live it because how are you going to identify? Um, I used it in Karachi at night at one o'clock. I said, do I feel safe? Then obviously I said, I feel safe because I know I can call the call center right away. Um, and they would know it's me. 
Is that why I feel safe? Or do some people know I'm there? So we put in a lot of effort into living it and then countering people that were our biggest critics, getting them in the room and asking them why it would not work. And that was our research and that's how we countered it. And Amazing. So off the bat of this, I'd be interested to kind of hear about some of the most, like what is the most difficult period in your journey? And then on the counter side, what's been the most rewarding uh, part of your journey with throughout your life? Oh, it's a really interesting question. I think every startup has stages. So the first stage is when you are a small, so I was employee number seven at Kareem, which meant I was there very, very early on. I also do not leave any stone unturned in working hard. For me in my life, because I've chosen work and my career as the most important thing, um, and some people say it's sad, I think it's not. Um, I really am comfortable with the choice I've made. So I give it 100%. There are other things maybe I don't give 100%, but my work, I give 100%. Um, so at I was a rock star. I was, I was talked about, you know, and that mattered to me. Recognition mattered to me and everyone has flaws. And this is a very difficult thing for me to accept um, and say, but recognition mattered to me and I worked extra hard to get the recognition and, and I wanted to be the best. I think the hardest time in my life was when, a, when an early stage startup uh, starts transitioning into a mid stage or gets a little mature. And now you have enough money that you're attracting top talent outside. And these people are coming from uh, the best of the best. So we had people coming from Google, we had people coming from McKinsey, um, all these places. I wasn't one of these people. I was just as good, I believe, but they had this name of this company behind them and more experience because I, what, I've been working 10 years. We had people that had 15, 16 years of experience. And Kareem was, I was five years into my career journey. Um, and I think so the difficult part was being able to hold my own um, and be taken seriously. Um, and I had to constantly prove myself. And um, I spoke a certain way, even though I've been to MIT and this, there, people are very um, concise in how they speak. They have a way to speak. And I, I feel like not, I, I see a lot of men and women being able to speak or get their message across in a much better way than I do. I'm passionate, I'm bubbly, I move around quite a lot, but that's my passion coming out. Um, so I think sometimes it was really difficult because I said she is probably not the best fit because she does not feel like an executive or like part of management because either she's young or she doesn't fit the, the, the persona that people have put out of leadership. So I think that was that was the toughest part. Um, it, I went through a, a journey of self-doubt, um, um, but I got over it because I knew that what my, at the end, what mattered was what the, the, the results that I was getting, um, and the numbers that I was bringing in. Um, but it's still difficult. I think for any, and I've seen this happen many times at startups where the, the founding team or the team that you start off with are not necessarily people, you're not gonna be able to get somebody from Google to come start a startup that hasn't even gotten seed funding yet, right? Um, I, I joined Kareem before our first round. We were still working on friends and family capital at the time I joined them, right? 
after I joined, they got the 1.7 million from yeah. STC. That was our first round. Um, so at that time, you're not going to get the Googles and the Facebook heads to come join. They're going to come at a later stage. It, I wasn't not, it wasn't that I wasn't good. I just didn't have a name brand attached to me. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I felt that that was a difficult part of my career. That made it more important for me to go to MIT. Um, that made it more important for me to just get that label. I feel like sometimes people are impressed by labels. And there's a big debate about whether skills matter or degree matter. And now, you know, Facebook and Google are letting go of the degree. But I feel like in the country that I'm in, um, no matter what I've done, the MIT holds more sway. Do I, uh, did I do it for that? Partly I did it for that. I did do the degree because I wanted to be taken more seriously and as a, as a, as a serious person. Um, but yeah, so that was the difficult part, but the most rewarding part is, um, I'm not going to name who said it, but somebody said to me, um, the other day that I wish, uh, you had grown up in the time of my mother and you'd done what you'd done, what you're able to do as a Pakistani woman. Um, when my mother was growing up because I would have loved her to have you as a role model and her to do this with her life that you've been able to do and that one sentence and another one where somebody said how are you a Muslim Pakistani woman you know leading this organization um, this these two comments made it worth it it, it, it really did um, and I have a great team um, and I get a lot of respect um, I, I, I thought it was going to be hard to be a Pakistani woman leading 1132 people, 80% of which are men. And that's not by design. That's just, we work US hours. So I'm on the clock right now. I'm supposed to be working right now. Um, so at night, a lot of women can't work. Or we still have like 25% workforce that's women. Um, but yeah, um, I'm surprised by how much respect they give me. And I'm, I'm humbled. I love it. Uh, it's, it's, it's really inspiring to, to hear that. Fatma, I, I don't want to take too much of your time. You are on the clock. So the last question for you. Oh, don't worry, I have time. <laughs> so the last question for you is if you could describe three of the most important lessons that you've learned on your journey so far. So the one that I, that I, um, that sounds cliche, but is true, is never say no to an opportunity. Um, and if you don't know how to do it, say yes and learn how to do it. Um, I was asked to do a lot of things at Kareem. I was juggling a lot of things. I never said no. I just wanted to learn. And it gives you the opportunity um, to go further ahead. So don't say no. Um, and this is more pertinent to startups. I've, I've worked a lot more with startups. So I'm just saying, if anyone's listening, I mean, I know people are listening to this, but when people are listening to this, focus on the startup culture. If you get into a startup early on, just don't say no, learn as much as you can and contribute as much as you can. That's one thing I've learned. Um, the second most important lesson I've learned is um, no job is too small for you. You should not be hung up on titles. You should not be hung on, uh, on on companies, you should just see that one day you could be the CEO or you could be sitting in the call center. One of the most rewarding jobs I've done is being in that call center. By the way, I don't know if people have done that. It is the hardest job, but the most rewarding job. When I got a customer to uh, like 
what I was saying or be happy with the service that I provided, I felt like the top of the world. And the learning that I had from the job, I'm on the front lines. There is no substitute to be the person that's talking to the customer and finding out what the customer is saying. You can do all sorts of models on the answers that you've gotten, but that information is critical. And those frontline people are really important. We have a really great support and CS team at Keep Trucking. And I keep telling them that my best part or best learning came from working at, uh, at the call center. And this is when I was earning crazy amount of money in Dubai. I was, um, I don't know if you know, um, the, the Cadillacs, um, I was working with the Cadillac people, whoever the family is. I, I worked there six months, so they were giving me a really good salary. My office was the size of my apartment in Dubai. Um, I had like everything going for me. And I left that and I went and sat in a call center, or not the call center, but their support team for a while. Um, so please, no job is too small for you. Um, and take your time. Do not rush to the leadership position. As, um, as you go higher up, it's a lonely job. And, and make sure that you put there. 90% of what you do as a manager or like a top executive is parenting. You're listening to these issues and you're solving these issues and 10% is actually doing the work because you're always concerned with like human resource issues. Just take your time. Just as they say, don't, um, don't grow up too soon. Don't go up there to enjoy the freedom that comes with being an individual content. Thank you so much for listening. If you guys have any comments, your feedback, please do send them my way. My direct email address is amad at caravan.vc. Or you can receive more information on our website, which is www.caravan.vc or on Instagram. Um, our handle is at caravan.vc. Until next time, Khuda Hafiz.